And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrezani. Okay, so neurofeedback therapy. Is this something that you did to yourself or did I make that up? No, you didn't make it up. Okay. You did do it to yourself. Okay. I've been trying to describe this to people. Okay. And it's not really working, but I'm okay. going to try. Deep breaths, deep breaths. This is hard. I study okay. brains and I don't know how to explain them to people. Okay. Your brain, let's just start with the facts. Okay. Controls absolutely everything about you. Sure. No, but like to so the like the peel it all the way down and apart. Like the things you don't think about. Like people think about like brain science is like studying like emotions and feelings. Which right. it which it totally is. And we talk about mental health a lot, but we we talk about like the big fancy word for it is interoception. How okay. we as a being perceive ourselves and how us it makes us feel. And part of that feedback of how we feel is directed by our physical selves in the physical world. For example, if your heart rate goes up a bunch because you're exercising, you expect that outcome. I'm running hard. My heart is going crazy. In that context, it makes a lot of sense. If you are sitting at your desk and your heart is beating at 160 minutes, and you're not physically exercising, your brain is going to be like, why is this happening? I feel anxious. And in this example, I've given you physically, I've gone out into the world and I've done something. I've gone for a run, or I've just decided to sit in a chair. Right. It makes it feel like you've made a choice to physically sure. act. And then what you're instead experiencing is, is, a, is an effect of that cause. And, and sometimes the cause doesn't match the effect. And sometimes that's anxiety provoking and makes us feel badly. We understand these things pretty decently. You're in a car and you slam on the brakes and then your heart starts racing and you get like really tingly. Like your body's having a physiological response to the physical environment. Reaction. Yeah. But like, it's usually in that order of like something physically happens to you. And, and then, then you an expect a right. response. Right. Biofeedback, neurofeedback, neuromodulation, all of this stuff flips the order. You think, and then something physically happens. Wow. What we're really good, if our brains are useful for one thing, and one thing only, it is generating movement. So we're really accustomed to the idea of thinking about something like moving my arm and then physically your arm moves. Doing it. Right. So this is now in reverse. Okay. I gave you an example. You go for a run. It makes you feel something. Then I switched the order and said, I want you to think about something. And then you do the physical action second. Where people get lost is biofeedback is thinking about something and doing something but that doing is not a physical motion. Mm. So some people like to argue that meditation is this. You sit, you have thoughts, or you attempt to have the absence of thoughts, Yes. and the outcome is some non-movement-based sure. reward. Or, or we'll say, like for me, who, for, for yeah, yeah, yeah. you go in theta. Mm -hmm. 
you desensitize, you put your brain into a different state rhythm, all of this stuff. Now, this is very hard to do, and it's very uncomfortable for people. Oh, yeah. So the, the ideas behind neurofeedback is to give you feedback based off of that thought process. So what you do is you sit down in the chair, is what I've done. You put the electrodes on the top of your brain. Sometimes there's like a skull cap. I probably have one by. Oh, I've seen those before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, mine but is like not. They used it was to... six dots. It's like top. Yeah, and so then they're they're, they're dots now. The the, the sensors are good enough now where they don't have to actually stick to your skin anymore. They can just like be on top of it and they can sense. Those dots on your head are measuring electrical and magnetic activity that's caused by your neurons firing inside of your brain. They don't specifically mean anything, but like you said, like theta rhythms are those neurons firing in a specific pattern over and over again. And the time between when those two things fire is how you define the rhythm. So Uh theta Uh rhythms have a specific length or frequency associated with them. There's alpha rhythms, there's beta rhythms, there's gamma rhythms, whatever. And these specific frequency bands, theta specifically, has been associated with your brain learning new things. Mm. So if you stick one of these helmets on somebody sitting in a math class learning how to do multiplication, predominantly the thing you're going to read out on those sensors is brain activity that looks like theta. Mm. Another place that you see a lot of this EEG recording, EMG recording, it's electromagnetics on top of the brain is during sleep. So when you move through different cycles of sleep, your brain fires synchronously in different manners that produce different rhythms. Sure. So when you're in REM sleep, your brain waves look different than you're in deep sleep. Right, right. So naturally these things occur. But what we want to try and do is get the brain to learn or to reprocess thoughts and emotions that we're already having in our brain. And this is essentially what cognitive behavioral therapy, any sort of talk therapy tries to get you to do, but just maybe in a less physically directed way. So there was a a movement around, well, let's provide feedback to this idea of thinking. If you put one of those head caps on, we can read the the signals that are coming out of your brain in real time. And while you're sitting there with the head cap on in front of a screen, it can tell you how your brain is functioning. So the goal of neurofeedback is to work through your thoughts and get your brain into a specific synchrony or rhythm of firing and then maybe surface some things active thoughts memories associations around an event that could have been traumatic for you sure and then you bring them to the front they're in your active working memory you process them in a new way and then you disengage from them and the way that we've thought about doing this is during the feedback, if your thinking and your brain is connect correctly synchronized, or you're engaging your brain in the right way, if you're holding little controllers or something, they'll vibrate. So I sit here, I think about a thought, I work through that thought, my brain starts to fire correctly, and I get physical feedback that is not me moving, 
but it's using this idea of I'm going to think something and then I'm going to get physical feedback Sure. when that action has been accomplished. So what if you don't if hold you the If you do this, so if you don't hold the things. Because I don't hold them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you don't have to hold the things, but it's this idea of you're doing it with someone and that sure. person that you're doing it with is giving you that feedback. Right. But it's this idea of establishing new cause and effect that's driven by thought and the termination of that effect is giving some feedback being provided to you in whatever sensory modality that you're doing it in. The I, rapid eye movement desensitization thing, same I, thing. You think about thoughts, you force your eyes to move in new ways. It reprograms your brain to deal with things that you've already gone through. I don't want to hang my future career on this statement no. quite yet, but this will revolutionize and modernize all mental health treatments in the next 10 to 15 years. Does it actually carve a new neuropathway in your brain? No, no, it just reorganizes. It's yeah, like, yeah. it's like if you're in traffic, right? You can either go right or left and it's like, Hey, yeah, why you don't find you try a new pathway? Mm -hmm. right, okay. And it's like, it's not so much. I mean, like you have to think about the scale at which our brains operate in a physical space. Right. Like you have close to a hundred billion synapses in, in your skull. More neurons in your heads making connection with each other than like stars of the known universe. Wow. Like the, the mathematical modeling of this is, is unbelievable. Quite, it's finite, but it's like quite impossible. We get a close, we approximate all the connections. There's brain maps, yada, yada, yada. So I don't want you to think about it being on a four-lane highway and choosing to take a right instead of a left. Right, okay. Like okay. all of these things are happening at like monstrous scale all at the same time. Think about it like, you know, like when you go to like a shoot and there's a big mixing board for all the sounds and the video and stuff. Yeah. Like you're moving sliders up and some sliders down across like this oh, huge... Okay. Sure, sure, sure. You're changing the volume on channels. You're changing the mix. You're doing all this sorts of stuff. It's not, you're not unlocking new physical connections in your brain. Right. You're just choosing to change the ways that your current connections operate. Right. That road was already there. You know what I mean? Right. You just, right. you're right. choosing right. to go down in a way that you haven't gotten from right. A to B before. Right. So how many sessions did you work on yourself on? I mean, I think I did somewhere in the realm of 30 to 40 to 50. And I do maintenance. So like I'm developing this stuff now too. So like we're doing this in virtual reality. So you take the headset and you put it on your head. So your eyes and your ears get sensory input that we've created artificially. And on top of the VR headset, there are those dots that read your brain waves. So now I could put you in a, a virtual environment that convinces your brain that you're doing something. Right now we're trying it as fear of heights. So wow. we give you visual perception that make you seem like you are like in an uncomfortable space. Yeah. And then we calm you down and have you work through the process. And this is just like for diagnostic. I'm not like trying to cure people from fear of heights. Sure. That will never happen. But like, well, I don't want to say never, but it's just like therapeutically not very useful sure, sure, to sure. do. We put you in a new environment that's artificially created where we have you like 
the mice that we work on, like work through a problem or a maze in a virtual reality environment. We see how your brain responds in real time to the task that you're doing. And then we give you very specific sensory cues or physical cues based off of how your brain is computing the problem and not whether you've successfully done it or not. We push you to think outside of the cause and effect relationship to reestablish those two things. So if you're somebody who has PTSD around a specific event, right, we can push you back into that event or approximate that event, get you to bring those thoughts and feelings that are giving you problems into real time, and then provide you some specific feedback that you can sense about it's not whether you're thinking about it correctly or incorrectly, but are you forcing your brain to think about it differently? Mm. And then if you think about it differently and enough of different ways over and over again, maybe one of those ways is healthier than the way you're currently doing it. So it's sort of like a random search. Like I don't know what the correct way for your brain to function is, and it's different by every person. But what we do is we push people to use the feedback they get while they're thinking in real time that you otherwise wouldn't get if you weren't connected to one of these devices. There's no way of sensing how your brain is currently functioning unless I like artificially strap those things on to be like, you've thought about this problem in a new way. And then you tell me if that new way is helpful or not. The most bizarre thing for me was the first time I did it, I was like, wow, I feel so relaxed. Like the second time I felt it's kind of like hypnotic you know what i mean well it felt like to me it felt like when i was in theta every time i would do you know meditation Mm -hmm. and it's very hard for me to get back into meditation with timing with lady but there was i think it was the third or the fourth time and i remember looking to the wall and i started seeing like the wall move as like bubbles and then i was like "Ooh, i'm blacking out and i like that like said it really aggressively out loud. I was like, uh, I'm blacking out, I'm blacking out. And and I remember it was like like my panic attacks when the like black likeness and the darkness would like go up and you feel like you're like drowning almost, right? Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, we're gonna just turn it back a little bit. We're gonna like not do as intense. And I'm like, that is so insane that you are literally on the other side of the room with a computer. There are things on my head and you are making me feel this way. Like it was so insane, but it was, I think that was the turning point for me where I was like, wow, I walked out of there and I was feeling so amazing and I was feeling so calm. And I remember like something, I don't even know what it was, but something was said that usually would have like made me go off and like, Mm -hmm. you know, like go off, like in a very like bipolar manic-y, like mean way, you know, Uh, I don't remember if it was like traffic or someone said something, you know, I'm spicy. And my reaction was like, whatever. And I just like went on with my day and I was like, what? It this was is like, well, I, I, I preface this entire conversation with the entire conceptualization of yourself and the world around you is mainly done by one organ. Yeah, People think that they are this one specific thing. I've lived all this life, all of these years in this body. I have all of these memories this is who I am. This is my identity. Like that construction of yourself is stored up here. 
and only is valid if the storage up here fires the same way over and over again. Right, right. Like, arguably, every time you are sad, uh -huh. your brain, with some degree of, of flexibility, randomness, variance, whatever, is, is functioning in a very specific mode and way. And if we go in and we say, we'll just do it differently, you're not going to feel sad anymore. You might approximate sadness, your sadness might be different, whatever. But just like people feel so tied to who they are identity-wise, like your concept of self, and they feel like it's baked in and immutable and unchangeable. And then like after two or three hours strapped into one of these headsets where you get like physical feedback about like, oh, what if I thought about myself differently? And when I do that correctly, someone tells me I've done it successfully or like these little controllers vibrate in my hands. Sure. It will shatter your sense of who you are. Like you, yeah. you sit here and you're like, oh, I'm spicy. I'm like, no, your brain just happens to fire in these ways. Yeah. In these moments. And like, we could just teach it to do something else. Well, and that yeah. concept of people is like, what? Well, and I'll tell you, I think the reason why I am so <laughs> able to be so flexible, if you will, and, mm -hmm. and be able to kind of yeah, 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 yeah. pop into this is because, uh, you know, talk about identity. Like, I don't know who I am anymore. And that's just the honest truth. Like, it's a really yeah, dark thing for me to say. But no, I but, don't think but, it's dark. No, but it's a very okay. It's not a dark. It's it's a very weird thing for me to say out loud. Like I can say it to Sturgis, I can say it to my mom, I can say it to Lady, and I can say it to myself. But to say it on a podcast right now is like very vulnerable for me. Like I have I, no idea who I am anymore. I don't know my identity. Like I feel, you know, this actress. Am I this? You know, oh, like cool, quirky, hot, fun girl. Am I a mom? Am I a mental health? advocate i've lost who i am and and it's not a bad thing like i think for a long time i thought it was such a sad and depressing thing because you know you're a mom and your body's different and everything is so different and how the way you think and feel and see the world is so different but i think for me it's the best thing that's ever happened to me not even really knowing my identity because now i can really be one with myself and think about, well, who am I? And not in a bad way, not in a sad way. Like I'm able to change and grow and use these tools and be able to use this neurofeedback and be more vulnerable where when the sensors on my head, like I'm able to grow instead of being stubborn, like I used to be and be like, this is going to help. Like I'm searching for that. And that's why I feel like maybe it's easy. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack here, but it's I, a lot. I want to challenge you because I don't think it's a bad thing. Like as a, a now, I don't think it's not a bad as thing. I'm not a clinician, but I hang out with enough of them to be able to play one on a podcast. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but it's very different when somebody sits across from me and it's like I don't know who I'm at. Am if they have gone through the life growth and experience that you've gone through versus like a 17 year old sitting down being like, I don't know who I am. Sure. Like one is very problematic. <laughs> and one is like, you, you're, you finished. Mm. You've gone through the race. You have some self understanding 
that can only be learned through this process. And I hear you being like, I don't know who I am anymore. And I'm a mom and I have all these new roles. And like, yeah, you have to mourn the loss of who you were as you grow, even if you didn't like that person. Like I mourn the loss of me as a frat star in college. Is that person a good person? No. Was well, that they're person... not a bad person, but they're not the person no, but like I'm saying, you strive to be. No, but like I'm saying, like, is that the idealized version of myself? Do I, do I mourn the loss of that person because I want to be them? No. Yeah. But like I was this person for a while and then I grew and I'm no longer that person. I don't think it's a bad thing. And like we grow away from people we do want to be sometimes. Sure. And that's sad as well. But like, I think what, as my fake podcast clinician credentials allow me, like when you say it to me, what I think is, oh, what I'm doing is watching somebody grow in a way that's healthy for them and learn to question what is my identity? I'm able to juggle all these things. I have mental like flexibility and can cognitively process this. Not someone who looks at me and being like, I don't know who I am, like white knuckling life being like, uh oh, yes, it's vulnerable to say out loud because people want to like firmly be able to be like, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. I'm like a Midwestern boy. You know what I mean? Like if you can't give an elevator speech of like who you are and like three, you know, bullet points, like you're doing something wrong in life. But it's like, I don't know. Like, I think that. People who can sit down and be like, I don't know who I am because I am all of these things. And that doesn't fit cleanly into a tweet. That is a sign of like you're doing something right in a way that so many people struggle to do that thing. Sure, sure. Or like so many people get put in the box and they get told this is who you are. Right, right, right. And they don't have the opportunity to be like, or the flexibility or the freedom to be like, no, wait a minute. What am I? What do I care about? How do I want to spend the time? What kind of parent do I want to be? And like, you've afforded that. And like, sure, that comes with thoughts of like existential dread that like can only be possibly conceptualized by like French writers from the, you know, early 1900s. Maybe that's what I am supposed to be. But like, I I think there's like a real, like, I I don't find it surprising that you're having these thoughts and feelings with where you are on your mental health journey. You're like Mm -hmm. doing the things to be like, I'm retraining my brain. I'm learning to reprocess trauma. I'm learning to respond to stressful situations in different modalities and, and like you're doing those things successfully. So like the obvious next thing to happen, at least for me, is that you go through this crisis of like, it's not that I don't know who I am, but I have to update the mental model of like who I am, what my identity is, how do I describe myself to others in a way that they understand me. And you just like don't have the perfect words to do it yet. I don't I think have okay. the, the tweet, you know, that I can just perfectly tweet out and that is okay. You're right. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not like yeah, you're oh, not totally. sitting here being like, I don't know who I am. 
what you're saying to me is I don't know how to articulate the complexity yeah. to others yet. And I, and I, find and like it you did, you don't like, know how to complete, you don't know how to do it to yourself no, either, no, but you, no. you know, the feeling and only you will know the feeling. Other and I find it frustrating. Feel... Yeah, they can't feel what I'm going through. And yeah, that, what yeah. I find mm-hmm. frustrating is like, you know, a lot of moms, I, I've heard this narrative of, I don't know who I am anymore. I, you know, I'm a different person, my identity and, and completely like, but then there's other moms who are like, oh, I know exactly who I am and I'm on the path and Do I feel fine. And think... so it's so I'm going to you know? get in trouble for asking this. I'm going to get in trouble for asking this. I think those people are lying. No, I don't think they're lying. I think that no, they I don't think they're have, lying, man. No, because you know what? I don't think that they have the complexity. I'm not saying that they have complexity, but I feel like they don't have. <laughs> You're going a step further um, than I am. No, 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 no. I don't feel like they have so many issues before they had a baby. Like I feel like, or maybe this was the thing that they needed in their life where for me, I I just need so much because I I have so much fucked up things in my head at all times. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe they didn't go through trauma and have a traumatic birth. I don't know what it is, but I I don't feel like people are lying. I just feel like my experience being a parent and watching my partner's experience of being a very good mom you could live a perfectly untraumatic life before you have a child and like the process of having a child will ruin it for you even if it's the best thing in the world like i don't there's a genetic physiological thing that happens especially to mothers after they've given birth that sort of just reorganizes your entire brain and personality and for the moms that feel like or or portray from a content basis yeah. that it's the best thing they've ever done and they were born for it and you know now they're they're full selves and are like functioning and there's nothing wrong with them and they never have any stress or like that feels to me more of a, a commentary on what society thinks is acceptable for moms to present themselves as. No, but I feel like I was born more lady. I mean, honestly, I truly feel that way. I, I do. Mm-hmm. I do because I feel like when I look at her, I'm like, oh, there's something there that like the world like needed. You know what I mean? And like she is going to provide that. And like that is what my job is. So like I feel that way. I so feel, I understand yeah. where moms I look feel at my daughter way. and I'm like, if you don't cure climate change, we're screwed. So like <laughs> Get out but of I, here. Like, I get that feeling. Yeah, I do feel I do feel like I can identify with those moms completely. But I think that when you have trauma as a child, when you have traumatic instances that happen with birth and post-birth and, and whatnot and mental illness and the stresses of marriage and all sorts of things, like I feel like it totally adds up. And Maybe some people say that everything is perfect because it is perfect for them, but maybe they are lying. You know, I think that we can't even ever understand what people are going through. I know, but I like, I feel like I'd live a life that if you would have asked me when I was like 16 or 17. Yeah. Like I have escaped the orbit of, the the cultural reality that I grew up in. Sure. 
Yes, you have. And like that is a, a constant source of stress within my extended family. And like that comes with its own baggage, but like I have surpassed my wildest expectations. And I don't feel like I've even really gotten started. You know what I mean? Like, so I like, I would tell people, you know, like, if we're going to like zoom out where I'm not like being ultra, you know, trying to critique everything and like provide context for everything. Like, if we zoom out, like, I would say my life is close of an approximation to perfect if you would have asked 17 year old me that I could have gotten to. Like, could I be a billionaire by now? Like, maybe. Sure. Would that make it a, a little bit better? Sure. Never maybe. seen anyone frown on a yacht, but like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I, like we're we're at like marginal increase. Like the the you know, for every hundred million dollars you add, like it's only a little bit more happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. like, I get that. I get that. But I think what I'm trying to say is like, there are people who say that it's perfect and then can like talk about the nuance of what that means to them and then there are people who say that it's perfect but will not admit to it being hard Mm. and that is the thing that like it is not easy by any objective measure to like be a good parent or be a good partner and be supportive and the people that ultra simplify it to the like Oh, this is easy. Yeah. Oh, this is, I was born with this and I don't even have to think about doing it. I'm just perfect at this. Like that seems like more of a content based allure of we're all just competing for eyeballs and for, sure. for sure. like social like praise more than it is of like, oh, this is actually one of the hardest things to do right. Well, can I tell you why it's the hardest too? What, what, for me, what what I have trouble with re- relating to a lot of moms is a lot of moms find being exhausted, wanting to drink again, wanting to you know get their normal life back. Ooh. Like for me, lady is not the problem. Like for me, that has not. Let me say this: it's not been hard. She has not been hard. My daughter is the solution. Hard, my daughter's a fucking solution. Goddammit. You know, the problem that I that I have in, in full transparency is my relationship with myself. My relationship yeah, yeah. with that's my the hardest part. partner is my number one mm-hmm. problem where it's like refinding like who are we together? My relationship with my career. Like that is where the stresses come since mm-hmm. postpartum. Right. It has not yeah, been me like so figuring out her. Like she's pretty easy. Like she wants a boob. She wants to be with me. She wants to sleep next to me. And like, we like do activities together. Like we have a great time. The problem yeah. is everything else around, you know? Um, yeah, dude, it's like crazy. Like I take my daughter to the zoo and it's like quite literally the best day of her life. It's the best. And I'm like, man, this, this kid thing is easy. It's yeah. the everything else while that's still so prioritizing hard. the kid thing. That's the hard part. Yeah. Oh, David, I'm so glad we had this conversation. I feel like this was such a great way. No, I think it's a great way to like, like set our intentions, like for the new year, yeah. like it, for 2024, like it's, it's accepting that like, there's nothing what's your, wrong with us. What's your 2024? I'm going to stop drinking. I'm finally going to do it. Let me tell you something, David. 
I learned something from someone and they said that they never set a new intention for the new year. They set it either for their birthday or they set it for, you know, February because it's always like Mm -hmm. that failed month, right? So like, I don't think that there's anything that I have a new year's resolution. I'm glad that Mm -hmm. yours is drinking like more power to you. But if you have a drink, like who cares? But I think what we should do is like talk about that what what we should put for our intention is like that we are okay we are perfect where we are and yeah. in this state of the world and in this universe and the little small organism that we are like we're doing a fucking kick-ass job and like let's just keep doing a kick-ass job i know i've talked a lot i mean like i'm an alcoholic I'm I'm an alcohol researcher. I talk to a lot of people about drinking. Yeah. This is literally what I think about on a day to day basis. I I don't want to like put the pressure on myself or anybody yeah. else. I know a lot of people whose resolution this year is to go sober. Really, and I feel like I've talked about it on this podcast before, but yeah. like I've always sort of been sober curious, for the yeah. lack of better term. But I just think it's it's. The writing has been on the wall for so long that it just like yeah. absolutely trashes your body. And like, I'm finally at an age, like, especially with a kid now, like, I just like, I don't find myself being in as many social situations where like we're drinking anyway. So, like, for me, it's like the easiest time to give it up. I'm like taking the easy way out. But I'm just like, from a health standpoint and from a like, it's not like I'm like going out and partying anymore. I just like, you know, like, we have wine in the house. We have stuff. In the, you know what I mean? Like, I just like, just throw it out. Just done with yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I, if I have one drink in the next 365 days, like, that's whatever. But I think, like, my conceptualization of, like, it's finally time to give it up is to, like, get to the place next year where it's, like, okay, I'm totally comfortable with never doing it ever again. I literally, I literally study how it kills you in all the different ways and facets. Yeah. And I just like think to myself, like, you know, like, I don't find that much of a value add in, in, in having a glass no. of wine, especially when 99% of the glasses of wine that I've had in my entire life just don't taste that good. Like, well, not I'm not drinking hundred and that's the yeah, that's what I'm saying. If somebody's cracking open like three hundred dollar bottles of wine, like that's a different story. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, David, I like... honor you, and I think you're so amazing, and what a great start to 2024. And I'm just I'm ready for this journey. <laughs> <laughs>